we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today. Unfortunately, in life, things happen that we have no control over which is why My Bump to Baby works with one financial advisor and one family law solicitor in each town throughout the UK. If you have not protected your family in case the worst should happen, please, please think about it. So many families are left homeless when a loved one passes away and the spouse left behind cannot afford the mortgage or the bills. We insure our mobile phone, We insure our household appliances. We insure our pets. Why don't we insure ourselves? Please, please, today, go to www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal and find your nearest financial advisor or family protection specialist. It is so important that you are covered should the worst happen. Are you looking for groups and classes for your little one? Perhaps you're looking for pregnancy classes for yourself. My Bump to Baby is the UK's leading pregnancy to preschool directory. To find your nearest pregnancy to preschool group, class, lesson or service, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com. You can also read our reviews on the latest products, days out and services. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. Today I am joined by a very brave guest, Samira Khan. Samira Khan got COVID during pregnancy and what happened to her afterwards is absolutely terrifying. Today Samira bravely shares her story in the hope that it helps other people understand the effects that Covid can have during pregnancy. 
Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. Today I am joined by a very, very brave lady, Samira Khan, who's going to be sharing her story about getting COVID during pregnancy. Hi Samira, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. And yourself? Yes, I'm good, thank you. It's so nice to have you on here um, speaking to you because I was only speaking to you on Instagram, wasn't I? And you shared your story with me and I was like, I just couldn't believe what I was reading and I just thought, I think, you know, your story needs to be heard and and shared and and you've just been so brave coming on. So thank you so much. No problem, it's my pleasure. So Samira, we're just going to get a bit of a background about you then. So you and your husband met when you were at school at 11, didn't you? Yeah, when we was very young. Oh, that's so lovely. And and you were really good friends and then you ended up actually getting together in year 11 yeah. and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when we first met, we was um, both quite shy and, you know, when you're going into secondary school, it's quite a big transition anyway. So um, I remember asking him for a pencil and his response was, why on the first day of school do you not have any stationery? <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. Um, but he still reminds me about that now because I'm always losing my pens. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it all really started. Bless you. Um, so, so you then got married. How old were you when you got married? Um, oh gosh, I was 19. <laughs> Wow. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. It's like a fairy tale story. Um, yeah. And, and how many children have you got then, Samira? Um, so I have four children now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That must be busy. It very much is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and d- did you plan all of your children or did you kind of just go with the flow, see what happens? Well, I or? mean, we, we always talked about children and having a family. We both really wanted like four children. Both of us wanted four children. So um, it was always kind of like a topic that, you know, we wanted to have children quite young so that we could kind of, as they grew up and we would still be quite young and trendy parents as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, we when we had our first son, um, we kind of from there decided, you know, we're definitely going to have more children. Um, it's just a matter of when, really. That's lovely. Oh, that's yeah. that's nice. So obviously, all, all your pregnancies before them, were they kind of smooth sailing compared to this last fourth one then, I'm guessing? Yeah. I mean, my first pregnancy, um, I, was, I was quite young. Um, it was my first pregnancy and it was, you know, everyone's first pregnancy they don't really know what to expect but um, now I think about it yep it did go very smoothly Um, Mm. my second and third again you know no issues no problems um, you know smooth births Um, it was just really the last pregnancy that I became very unwell Mm. um, you know due to pregnancy related issues as well so yeah I mean I I got preeclampsia and um, got gestational diabetes as well so it yeah it had you difficult. never had that before Samira was that no before? so I had I'd had preeclampsia in a previous pregnancy but it was controlled and there was no issues um, but it was the first time I had got gestational diabetes so yeah a little bit worrying you know when you got pregnant was this before um covid before this big lockdown or was it after or was it during sorry I say after well, we're not out of it, it yet 
Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of in between. Um, I believe I got pregnant around July, June or July. And we went into the lockdown in March, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I mean, well, we had to do something during lockdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. TV gets a bit boring, you know. Um, so were you happy when you found out, I mean, that you were pregnant? Because you'd always wanted four. Yeah, I was. I was really happy. Um, we both was really happy. We were a little worried just due to the fact that COVID was around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had already kind of, when I found out I was pregnant, I'd already decided that um, I was going to take early maternity leave anyway um, and use like the annual leave that I had accumulated. Where do you work, Samira? So I work in Virgin Active um, in Chiswick. Oh, wow, right. Yeah, so, I mean, at that time, we was all on furlough anyway. Mm. Um, and I kind of was just staying at home and doing the whole at-home mum life, really. Yeah, did you enjoy that? I did. I mean, I work with children anyway. Um, so I love being around children. And, you know, that's kind of like where my forte is. I love being around kids. So, Aww. yeah, it was enjoyable for me, really. Yeah. So, so you got pregnant and then how, how was the pregnancy initially then? I mean, was your husband able to go to the scans with you or did you have to go to those on your own? Oh no, I did actually have to go on my own. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was a really surreal scenario really just going to kind of find out the gender of your child and check up on the baby and stuff and your partner not being allowed to go. Oh gosh, It was yeah. very difficult. Yeah, of course, because like your gender thing, you want to both hear it at the same time, don't you? Of the course, special. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. So, so um, up to then, I suppose up to the twenty weeks, everything was absolutely fine, or was that when the gestational diabetes had begun? So they told me quite early that I had gestational diabetes um, and I was kind of just monitoring it at home with the blood sugar machine. Um, I mean, I was getting it on track and it was it was quite good. It's just in terms of the pregnancy, I in that pregnancy, I don't know what it was, but I already felt quite unwell. Um, I don't know whether it was due to having the gestational diabetes and the preeclampsia as well. But yeah, during that pregnancy, it was it, it was just very difficult for me. Mm, even before everything that you went through. So yeah. what, were, what were your symptoms of the gestational diabetes? So I didn't actually have any symptoms oh. from what I remember. Um, I just went for my normal glucose tolerance test and they just let me know that my blood sugars weren't quite right and that I had gestational diabetes. Um, I was then kind of booked in with a nurse at the hospital so that they could give me like a machine to regulate my blood sugars, check up on them and kind of keep a journal on it. Um, But I mean, by the time that I had got a big enough journal, I was then dealing with symptoms of COVID. Goodness. So so going to COVID, um, that side of things, I mean, have you any, I, I mean, not that you would know, but during a lockdown, it's quite hard because you're limited. You don't really see everyone. Have you any idea how you got it or did, if anyone in your family had it or anything? So my husband had COVID. 
Mm. Um, but his was not bad at all. Um, he was just a little bit unwell, kind of like flu kind mm. of symptoms. So did he have it first? So he had it first, but what he decided to do during that time was to go and stay um, elsewhere just because I was pregnant and we wasn't sure how it would be um, with me getting COVID during pregnancy. So we took the decision um, that he would kind of move out temporarily um, so that I would kind of be safeguarded against it. And somehow I still ended up with it. So I don't really know how. I mean, maybe even from packages or from deliveries and things like that. That's the only thing I can really think of because I stayed home the whole time gosh it's it's frightening and and how did you feel initially when you first got it or did you just kind of did you know because of your symptoms I mean I felt really unwell and I just felt like I had a really bad chest infection and it was kind of I just felt really really you know drained and unwell at first I kind of thought it may just be due to the pregnancy um, because I had taken COVID tests and on two occasions it came back negative. This was at the end of December, um, around the 28th or 29th of December I was doing COVID tests and they came back negative. Um, But then it kind of got worse and normally with a cold and flu it, it goes after a week or two and it just, it didn't go. Um, and it was just it was on the off chance that I actually went for an appointment in the hospital um, that they did a COVID test there because they said to me I didn't look very well and sent me home and did a COVID test. And then two days later, I got a message stating that I had COVID um, on the message to say that it was positive. Um, but by this point, I was already really, really bad to the point where I couldn't breathe properly at home. Oh. Um, I mean, I, an ambulance had to be called on one occasion. How far were you into your pregnancy at this point? So at that point, I was 27 weeks. Oh, God bless you. I bet you were so worried. I was really worried because I know, you know, I know premature babies do really well. Um, but on the off occasion, if it's too early, it can be potentially really dangerous. Of course. So I was really stressed out and worried about, you know, how it was going to affect me. But by that time, it was so, you know, so bad that I ended up having to go into hospital. Oh, God, I bet that was frightening because I remember even seeing the news with people, poor people with COVID in hospital, and it just looked, I mean, I just couldn't even picture it. It it, It was absolutely chock-a-block to the point I went into hospital and they sent me away and said I needed to go home and self-isolate. So I actually went home and then a week later, I was still really bad. So at that point, I couldn't actually walk or anything because I couldn't stand up. I had no energy. Um, they actually gave me one of those um, oximeters for your finger. Mm. And my oxygen levels was going down to like 60%. Oh, my God. I bet you were so Yeah, it was really well. bad. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I called an ambulance again. But the ambulance, I, I believe I called them at 11 o'clock at night. And I was still waiting the next morning at 9am for an ambulance. Oh, my God. how bad it was. It was really, really bad. Oh, 
Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine it. Sorry, I'm just kind of, I think, oh, it's so frightening that. Um, what what were, was your husband with you then at this time or were you still kind oh, yeah, of? Yeah, he, he had come back because his um, self-isolation was kind of over. His symptoms had gone um, and he was all well and good. So he came back home. Um, at that point, obviously, we was waiting for an ambulance and it just wasn't coming. So a neighbour of ours actually offered to take me to the hospital, knowing that I had COVID, but, you know, they was concerned about me as well. Mm. So they took me to the hospital and that's where it kind of all started because as soon as they saw me, they rushed me in. And at that time, in our local A&E, they actually had two sections for COVID patients because there was such an influx at that time of people with COVID they had actually turned the whole back part of the A&E into like a COVID-only area um, that we went into. And I remember going, being wheeled in on the wheelchair and I was absolutely like gobsmacked at the amount of people that I could see like on respirators and, you know, masks and breathing machines. And I was absolutely petrified. Were these people all different ages as well, or? Yeah, I mean, there was old people. There was young, there was children, oh. um, a mix like a complete mixture. Mm. Oh, it's frightening! It's frightening. Bless you, going through all that. So, so where did you go from there then after the A and E bit? So How? they put me into the A and E part of the um, the COVID part, and then from there they transferred me up to a ward for COVID um, on the ward because I remember in the A&E department they was giving me different breathing machines and they just wasn't helping improve my oxygen um, they tried about four or five different machines and it just it was just not increasing and not helping so they sent me up to a ward that was specially designed for COVID um, and I remember one of the doctors come and spoke to me and they were saying, your oxygen isn't increasing even with full power machines. So the only option we have to help, you know, give your body a bit of a break and to, you know, save your pregnancy is to put you into an induced coma. Um, at that point, I, you know, I was so unwell in terms of my breathing that, I, I agree, I would have agreed to anything at that point because it's awful when you can't breathe and, you know, you're worried and none of the machines are working. It's a really scary time to be in. Oh, I can't even imagine that. That That is frightening because even the thought of, I mean, I if, if someone said that to me, you'd just be worried that you'd never wake up again, wouldn't you? I did. I started messaging everybody with, you know, these like really emotional, soppy messages, you know, if I don't wake up, look after my children, then I got kind of an influx of phone calls um, saying like, what's going on? And then I just kind of explained to my family that they was going to put me into a coma to help me breathe and to kind of relieve my lungs. Um, and that's kind of where it started from. They, after my, I'd made my phone calls, they took me up to the ICU ward and then that's where it started. They put me into the coma and everything from there on was a blur. Did you speak to your husband and your children before this happened? Or did so, you... yeah, I did. I called them. I explained to my husband what was happening. And, 
you know, I kind of just explained to the kids that mummy's in hospital at the moment. I'm not feeling very well. Um, but we kind of took the decision not to tell them exactly what was happening because we didn't want to worry them. Mm. Um, I mean, my children are still quite young. My eldest is eight. Um, and my youngest, um, before I had my new baby, was only three at the time. Mm. So very young. Not They don't really understand at that age as well. Mm. Oh, God, I bet your husband was beside himself. Yeah, he was he was really worried. Um, I mean, he came from like a medical background, so he kind of knew that that was going to possibly be an option um, just to kind of relieve my lungs. Um, but yeah, from what happened after they put me into the coma, we nobody expected what happened after to happen, and we didn't think it was going to be such a long time. So w- tell us what happened then once you were in the coma then. So once they put me into the coma, um, at first I was stable and I was okay. And then a day went past and my body kind of started to shut down. My heart stopped, my lung collapsed and my kidneys stopped working. And at that point, they were trying their best to kind of get everything sorted out and done they put a stent into my lungs and you know put me on dialysis to try and fix my kidneys but it just nothing was working so they actually then called my husband and at that time there was no visiting in hospitals um due to covid and they said to my husband you need to come in my husband was just i think at that time he knew that it was bad news because he, he, I remember him telling me that he couldn't think straight and all he could think about was why are they letting me come in to visit my wife? Mm-hmm. Um, so then the doctor kind of explained to him, you know, your wife is actually in a really bad situation, you know, her organs shutting down and based on what we're seeing right now, there's like a 10% chance that your wife's probably not going to like wake up. Oh God. And at that point, obviously that that's, that's the last thing you really want to hear um then they had like a discussion about you know what was going to happen with the baby and they actually took the decision to take baby out early um and at that moment just to try and save the pregnancy because my body was fully shutting down and the next thing would be the pregnancy would then obviously be you know possibly terminated at that point if my body's shutting down of course did your husband have to agree agree to that or just yeah he did he went to the hospital to agree to that you know them taking baby out early to at least give baby a chance and yeah they took baby out they were planning to actually do it the next day but when my husband actually came to the hospital um I started you know not responding and I was dramatically getting worse. So they actually, in the middle of the ICU, did an emergency C-section. They didn't even take me to theatre. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. You must have been, like, in a, in a terrible, terrible way. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really bad. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Gosh, right. What their main worry was that if they took me off the machine, like, I wouldn't make it to theatre. If they yeah. took me off the machine on the ICU, by the time I had got to the theatre, I would have already been gone. 
Oh, God, that makes me so sad. Oh, you're so brave sharing this story. I feel like... oh, it's really important because people, you know, I saw a lot when I woke up on the ICU and a lot of pregnant people were in the same situation and unfortunately didn't make it. So mm. it's really, it's important for me to share this with others and so other people can really see that this is serious Mm, it's not just something we can throw around like it's not no it's it's, it's serious oh it is and you're so brave for sharing this but so so going back to your baby then your baby then was born at how many weeks she was 29 weeks when she was 29 weeks goodness and 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 what happened with you then after the birth did they they, they, I'm guessing they managed to kind of stitch you up and you think your body that's even more for your body to take on isn't it yeah definitely major surgery yeah definitely and I mean from what I was told they once baby was taken out I kind they kind of resuscitated me and things like that and I slowly started to respond and was at one point they called my husband and said you know your wife is stable and that was kind of good news at that point because at that moment my husband and all he had been told told was that there was a 10% chance of me waking up and to be told that I was stable it was really you know a relief for him Mm. um I mean he got numerous phone calls because I would be stable one moment and then out of nowhere, I would just completely deteriorate. And they just really couldn't understand what was going on. That why one moment I was fine and then out of nowhere, I would completely deteriorate. And, you know, the dialysis machine that I was on would continuously clot and things like that. So that's that's also another issue that was happening at the time. Oh, it was like everything was against you, really, you know, yeah, from the get yeah gosh gosh um so so your little one then I'm guessing um they went into the neonatal unit did they yeah she um at first she was on a breathing machine um and they they did state that you know um she would probably be on it for a couple of weeks but she's definitely a fighter she was taken off of it after four days and was breathing on her own completely fine did she get checked for COVID? They did do tests and thankfully it didn't pass on to her. Oh, wow. Thankfully. Oh, yeah. Strange because you'd automatically think that it would. Yeah. But it, so, yeah, we were really happy about that. Oh, goodness. So, so how long did you stay in this coma for then? So I was in the coma for two months. Wow. Two months months oh my goodness I bet I mean oh do you remember anything from being in the coma like do you what did it feel like did it just feel like you were put to sleep and then you woke up or yeah I mean I actually don't remember anything from being put to sleep I mean the last thing I remember really was them say them injecting me um through a cannula with some sort of drugs to kind of ease me off to sleep and then placed a mask on me and me going to sleep that's all I really remember and then the memory from after that the only memory I have from after that is when I woke up and I was really confused and I was just kind of wondering where the baby was because I that's the first thing I remember remembering that 
the baby's not not in there. I can't feel the baby. Oh gosh! I was yeah. worried at that time because when I woke up, I was fully paralyzed. I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't move at all. And I was just in this bed looking, and I was just really worried. The only thing I do remember is um, when I did wake up, is the machine alarms going off, and then them rushing over to me. And it must have been my heart rate going through the roof or something. Um, but yeah, they rushed over to me and kind of said, it's okay. And they kind of explained to me what had happened. They explained to me that baby was okay. Baby was taken up by emergency C-section and she was doing really well on the NICU, the neonatal unit. Um, and they they just said to me, you know, you've been asleep for a very long time. And they explained to me I've been in a coma for two months and I just remember thinking wait so I have a two-month-old baby and it just felt like oh. it just felt like you know going to sleep one night and waking up oh my goodness me that is two months that's that's so <sighs> long yeah oh gosh bless you and then and then after that I mean with your recovery how, how was your recovery after that how long did you have to stay in, to hos- in hospital then so I was in hospital until oh gosh let me think back March mm. um the end of March um but then I basically because I wasn't allowed to go home because I still couldn't move any of my limbs they actually sent me to a drop down unit which is like a residential kind of like a, it's kind of like a care home um but for physiotherapy mm. and while I was I was there a week and then something else happened I actually had a mini stroke <sighs> from COVID um you know, I, my physiotherapist came into the room and I remember feeling really, really unwell. And I said to her, I'm not feeling quite right. And then that's all I remember. Um, the next thing, I woke up in hospital again and I was told that I had had a fit and they'd sent me for a scan and that I'd had a mini stroke, which was related to having COVID. Goodness. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. Everything you've been through has just been awful. Yeah, it's been it's been an eventful year. Oh, goodness. I, bet, I bet part of you, though, is so thankful that your little one's OK and that you're OK. But at the same time, no. it's so unfair because, like, this shouldn't have happened. It's so, so unfair that you had to go through all that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a difficult year for our family. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting better now. Um, things are improving. You know, we've recently moved house because where we was living previously, um, it was on the 23rd floor of a tower block um, and it was a masonette. So it had like a lot of internal stairs. Mm. So I wasn't able to even move around the property. So I was actually stuck in my living room kind of as my bedroom. And it, yeah, it's just... It's not an ideal way to live, but we have recently moved house. Mm. We're now in, you know, a wheelchair accessible property. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing really well. It's a lot better for my children. It's mm. a lot better for me. And I'm able to do, you know, the little things that I wasn't able to do before, like put my children to bed. And these are the things that you take for granted, really, when you're yeah. able to do them. 
Oh, do you know? Yeah, that that's it. Exactly. Like sometimes if George says, oh, mommy, I'm all right for a story or something. I'm like, yes. And I think I get out of it. But like, you know, being in your situation and everything, you'd give anything to read that story to your little, little one at night. And so yeah. something I wanted to ask is, um, is it, what was it like meeting your little one for the first time? So it was really overwhelming. Um, I mean, the first time I actually met her, was when she was nearly three months old um, because they wouldn't let me see her. She was in hospital um, in the neonatal unit, but I was on the COVID ICU still. Even though I had been cleared of COVID and I was allowed to leave the ward um, in my bed, they still wouldn't allow me to go down to the neonatal unit, which, you know, at the time (laughs) I was really upset, emotional. I just had a baby and... I kind of was like, it's not fair. But now I now I think about it. They they made the right decision because, it, you know, young small babies like that, if they caught COVID to the extent that I did, it could be a completely different situation. Gosh, that must have been so hard. It was. It was really difficult. But I mean, when I first met her, it, it was just surreal. I just. It was really strange because I haven't had a C-section before either. I had three natural births. So to have a C-section, it, it just kind of, I felt like, is this actually my baby? Yeah. And I mean, at first it was really difficult because I'd been asleep for so long. And in a normal situation, even if it was an emergency C-section, you would kind of know that you was in labor and the lead up to that. But I kind of just went into a coma and woke up with another baby which is, it was really surreal to be honest yeah I mean gosh my situation is nothing compared to yours but I mean my son he was born early and um gosh you know I it was only a day or two before I saw it but I remember looking in and thinking is he even mine you know you just it's that bond isn't it because you, you yeah. initially have the bond um with your babies when they're born straight away but when they're kind of taken yeah. away it's it's all that's taken away from you as well, isn't it? It's not just, not yeah. just your babies there. That's, that's so hard. So, And also your other children, not seeing you for two months. Um, yeah, well, by the time I saw my children, it was close to nearly four months. Oh. Yeah, so it, that was, it was so difficult for me. At first, obviously, when I'd woken up from the coma, I was still on quite heavy drugs and I was sedated quite a lot but once that all started to wear off and I became a lot more aware of things it really did start to get to me and you know you can FaceTime and you can make phone calls but it's not quite the same no you just want to be with your family don't you and you just want to be at home oh so so now currently your current um situation then you're currently in a wheelchair um, and I, yeah. I know we touched on that a little bit before, but how are you finding that, the change and everything? Is it, is oh. it really, really hard? It's, you know what? A lot of people have said to me, I don't know how you do it and I don't know how, you know, you've come out of this the way you have. But I always try to look at the positives in life, like to the point where a lot of people didn't make it in hospital and I, you know, pulled through. I can still see my children every day and some people can't. So, you know, I can't complain about how I am now. I mean, it's difficult. It really is, you know, being able to fully walk before and being completely independent 
to the point where now I have carers and my husband cares for me and has to do a lot of things for me. It's very difficult for me. But I mean, I am getting there. I mean, I've recently just joined the gym. Oh, wow. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I've recently just joined the gym and I've been a few times. It's completely, it's, it's so strange being in the gym and, you know, you get a lot of looks and people look like, oh, how are you going to get onto the machines and yeah. things like this? But, you know, I push myself every day really to try and break, you know, those, those, when people look and they, they don't really know how to approach things, I try and break that, you know, mm. that stereotype really and just kind of get on with it. Oh, that, that's, that's amazing. You, you're doing amazing. And, and with the wheelchair, is there, is there any likelihood that, you know, you can kind of eventually not have that or is it something that you will have? Uh... So what they've said to me is they, there's not enough research at the moment as to what the long-term effects of COVID are, but I am getting stronger every day. And, you know, they've said to me that it's going to be a very long road for me to be able to walk again, but I'm determined to get back to what I was and I'm determined to kind of, you know, push past the barriers that I have now. I mean, even though I can't feel my legs properly, I can move my legs I can't feel my legs properly at all, mm. um, but I can move them. And I kind of move myself around based on where I, I would look at my legs and I'd look at my feet where they are on the floor for the positioning. And I would kind of pull myself up mm. with my body weight to kind of stand. So that's kind of like where I'm at at the moment in terms of my recovery. I'm able to stand now, but I'm not able to walk so I do need the wheelchair to get about. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm determined to really get back to where I was. But you're only a few months. I mean, if you look at how far you've come as well, because if you only got out of hospital, did you say March, end of March? Um, so April. So in April, April. I wow. came home. Wow. Um, and yeah, a lot's happened in that time. Oh, We've bless. moved house and, you know, but I'm doing much better. Um, I'm mentally in a much better place now than I was when I first came home. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling positive about everything. I've got my little baby girl at home and yeah, she's, she's beautiful. So I've got a lot to be happy for. So you're so brave and you're such a fighter. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if we did an update on this in a year's time, you'll be even, you know, further along with your recovery. How's your um, breathing and, and stuff like that after? Have you had any, anything else that you're finding that's so, taken a I mean, when they decided to um, bring me out of the coma, they, my husband, they actually did ask my husband while I was in the coma, can we do experimental treatment on your wife? To which he declined. Mm. Um, he was a bit shocked that they asked me that actually, because, because they could have asked me before they put me into the coma, mm. but they decided not to, which we thought was a little bit cheeky, to be honest. But um, mm, the fact that I was pregnant, my husband didn't want to kind of go down experimental treatments um, just in, you know, in in case some the worst happened, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. I can it's... totally get why you'd feel like that. I mean, I'd be I'd be like, you know, we're not just a number, you know, we're people. Yeah, it's, it's you know? difficult. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, do, I, I would love to have helped out, but I mean... The risk is your life, isn't it? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I would definitely. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd hope to God my husband said, you know, no, with oh, that. No, no, no. I know because yeah. you no know, one wants to be an experiment, do they? And of I think, course. and and it's, it was really important for me to to get you on here. And I'm so thankful that you said yes because I just think one, you're so brave, and it's such a, a story at the moment. I mean, especially. <laughs> With me being pregnant, I've been asking a lot of questions around the vaccine and I've received yeah. quite a lot of messages of absolutely don't do it. And I'm just a firm believer that I think you do what's right for you. Um, yeah. And, and you know, everyone's got different opinions on things, but it is very important that some people, I mean, some people are saying still, I'm still seeing statuses on Facebook thinking this is some kind of hoax. So it's important to me to share this just so people are aware of how, how dangerous it can actually be. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like my breathing and stuff now, I feel like I can breathe. I feel like when I woke up, I was healthier than ever, which yeah. is really strange. I mean, like, I feel like my breathing is better now than it was before. Wow. Um, I actually wow. lost a lot of weight throughout the coma as well. I lost 25 kg um, while I was in the coma, oh, um, wow. just obviously due to my muscles wearing away and things like that. Um, but I mean, I have regular checkups every three months and I use this kind of breathing machine to measure my lung capacity. And I am definitely, my lung capacity is getting a lot better than it was previously. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely improving. Mm. And and the trauma side of it, I mean, have obviously it's something massive, I mean, that you've been through. Do, do you think you've dealt with that or do you think it's still still very much there the trauma um I mean when I first came home it was kind of really difficult in terms of understanding what had happened and you know I would constantly ask my husband loads of questions and you know I feel like now I'm in a really good place I'm able to talk about it really easily and I'm just really grateful really that I've come through it in a positive light and I'm still here to see my children grow up, you know. Well, I think you're an amazing person anyway. And I just want to say thanks so much for sharing your story um, with no us. So, so thank you so, so much for coming on. No problem at all. It was a pleasure. And I hope that, you know, all your viewers can take something from this and, you know, understand that, it is very serious and I mean it's different for every person but you never know if you're going to be one of the lucky ones or you're going to go through the worst you know yeah no one has a crystal ball do they so it's just uh make, doing enough research and making sure you make the right well trying to make sure you make the right decision for you but, um yeah. thank you so much anyway and hopefully we'll be able to catch up soon um and see where you're up to yeah definitely any time thank you Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Fifty Shades of Motherhood. Fifty Shades of Motherhood is all about being free, being real, being raw and saying what you want to say without fear of judgment. 
So if you have enjoyed today's episode, please, please share it with your friends. You never know who it might help. Not everyone is so open about sharing their stories. So it's really important to raise awareness around topics so that it can help other people uh, feel less alone. And also, if you don't mind reviewing us and subscribing, that would be amazing. It means the more listeners we have, the more podcasts that I can create. So thank you once again for listening. If you want to make any suggestions for future episodes, please pop me an email over. My email address is Carla at mybumptobaby.com. And I look forward to speaking to you next time on 50 Shades of Motherhood. We have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you, the ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today.